Hey guys, uh, I made it. It may be a little bit late, but I am on. It is official. My uh, staycation is in full swing as of now. And uh, I am going to work on some house projects and true crime scripts, etc. But I wanted to get to our Daniel study and... Um, and finish what we started last week. I believe we're going to be able to finish what we started last week. But I just have to say, um, we live in a precarious time right now in this country. And it's a weird place to be because years ago, my grandfather, I was talking to him about um, Hitler and World War II. Uh, and he said, I remember um, that we thought... It was the end of the world. Like we thought that Hitler was the Antichrist and, you know, like that was it and it wasn't. And so I'm trying to use um, some wisdom and some caution and, and stay away from hyperbole. Um, I mean, give or take a hundred years probably is what we have left um, for the Lord's return, which is very exciting. But when it comes to this country, you can definitely see the decline. And the polling shows that core values and American values, family values has made a significant decline. We have an administration that supports every kind of wicked behavior and evil um, motivation there is. Uh, we have the national public radio that is funded with our tax dollars telling transgender individuals to arm themselves and that Christians are the enemy and want to kill them. And then we have a person who goes in and shoots up little children and adults at a Christian school. By the way, she didn't pick the first target because it was more secure. And then we have this bill to ban TikTok is you have to question when both Democrats and Republicans agree because it is a uniparty and you have some voices that are not part of it. Um, and I had a friend who said, don't you find it interesting that both parties are agreeing to this bill? And I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> now that you mention it, and sure enough, there are parts in it that expand the Patri Patriot Act, which has been abused to spy on Americans. It expands the powers uh, in this bill and in Jesus name, it will not make it through. So, you know, TikTok, obviously, you know, my opinion was I don't want to be spied by China, so I'm not interested in TikTok. But then when you think about, well, we have uh, American-owned companies that spy on us, Facebook, Google, all of them. So what does it matter? I mean, I'm here on Facebook Live talking about political matters. So if anyone um, wants to know what I think, all they have to do is watch Facebook Live, right? Um, so we have a lot of things going on. We have um, Ukraine and Russia. And it seems like there's just a way to be lawless without um, true justice. And and so we need we need to not just pray, guys. I guess that's my point. Faith requires action. And we need to understand the history of this country. We need to understand that the Constitution came from 1060 on uh throughout our history, the Magna Carta, the 1100 charters that our founding fathers saw what happened in Britain 
and beginning with Ethelred the Unready, and, and they didn't want that to happen in our country. And guys, if you look at what is going on, it is exactly what is happening in our country. And so for the first time in the history of this country, a president has been indicted on a crime that has actually expired. The statute of limitations did not occur in New York and that every judge and every DA, including DA Braggs, turned it down until the political pressure in George Soros um, demanded that he do it. It is setting a precedent and um, it's very serious. And I, I mean, I don't think he's going to go to jail. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I'll probably win him the election. Be interesting if you mark my words and I say that on March 20, no, March 30th at 8.03 that President Trump won the election tonight. We'll see. Uh, but it is a serious thing. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, we shouldn't take sides. I'm, I don't, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, I don't like either one of them. But when you have Democrats that continue to go after a person relentlessly and unjustly, um, the entire time they ran, the entire time they were in office, and even after, that is unrighteous. And it is weaponizing the government. And that's what they do to people. If you lose against them, they take you to court. They cause you legal problems. They did it to Sarah Palin. And so you have to win or your life is just crap from that point on. But they don't understand him. And he's very determined. And things like this will make him more determined. So I guess what I'm saying, you know, here we are saying the first abomination of desolation We've studied Daniel and how he interacted with Nebuchadnezzar and then the next administration. There was honor there. And if it wasn't for Daniel, where would things have been? Where would Nebuchadnezzar have been? Where would the Jews have been? So your voice is important. You are important. And Christians need to get vocal. We don't need to judge sinners because they are fulfilling their job description. But we're not relevant. And we've overcomplicated things. The simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is king. He is returning. And here's proof. And then you destroy the works of the devil with the supernatural power of God. It's simple. And while the enemy is overcomplicating gender, he's overcomplicating the border. He's overcomplicating the justice system. He's overcomplicating everything. We must get to the basics. And not think that church attendance is enough. It's not. So I just want to tell you guys a little bit that is on my heart. Um, whether you like Trump or not, this is unprecedented. And it is a dark time for our, our country. Uh, and also, we need to harden ourselves against persecution. We need to harden ourselves against war. Um, Christians, uh, we avoid war. We avoid being uncomfortable. Um, and I get it, but comfort being comfortable can become an idol where we don't speak out or we wait too long and, um, we can't, we, we just can't fear. I mean, they're probably going to go after us, but we can't fear and we either trust God or not. And so, um, that's all I'll, I'll, I'll say as far as president Trump being indicted, you know, they're going to, um, you know, release the picture and all that stuff. And it's just a horrible thing. It's absolutely horrible. Uh, but here in our study, speaking of horrible, we have the abomination of desolation in Daniel 11. We left off at verse 13. And so we kind of went through the history 
of the Ptolemaic dynasty, the Seleucid dynasty, um, what that meant. Some of the characters that we learned in school, like Cleopatra, Mark Antony, and Octavian, all of them were involved in that. Uh, we also learned that the main kings that Daniel prophesied about, of course, he didn't know who they were going to be, um, were the ones and how they interacted with Israel. That's what um, God is most concerned about at this uh, time and this point in history. And, uh, and, and the, the um, details that came to pass are just uh, amazing. It was very detailed and very accurate. So here in verse 13, we're now um, to uh, where Antiochus, um, where we left off, is he struck Egypt um, because Ptolemy IV had just died. And he had been succeeded by Ptolemy V, or whom they called Epiphanes. And when Ptolemy IV was killed, uh, Epiphanes was only four years old. So obviously he would have to have people rule uh, in proxy for him until he was able to take uh, the throne. So all of that that I shared last week, you're not going to remember. But I just shared it so that you could get an idea of how specific and accurate um, God was. So here we are in verse 13, and it says, A few, few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than before. At that time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. Violent men among your own people will join them in fulfillment of this vision, but they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay... Uh, siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march onward unopposed. None will be able to stop him. He will pause in the glorious land of Israel intent on destroying it. Now, the king of the north uh, is the key here. Okay, so the, the southern king is Egypt, the Ptolemaic dynasty. The one in the north is Assyrian or the Seleucid. He will make plans to come with the might of his entire kingdom and will form an alliance with the king of the south. He will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom from within, but his plan will fail. Okay, um, these uh, verses document the eventual wrestling of the Holy Land from the Egyptian control because Egypt had control of Palestine once again, you know, where the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Now they had control of Palestine until the king of the north. And uh, so I just wanted to let you know, uh, because remember the Egyptians got control of uh, the land of Israel uh, when Alexander the Great was in power, okay? So we've got the king of the north of the Seleucid dynasty. He wants to overthrow the, the king of the south, which is the Egyptian or the Ptolemaic dynasty. And he can't do it, and so he puts his daughter in marriage, but the Bible tells us that's going to fail. It ain't going to work from within. Okay, so then we have verse 18. After this, he will turn his attention to the coastland and conquer many cities. But a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence and cause him to retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortresses, but will stumble and fall and be seen no more. His successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. But if after a very brief reign, he will die, though not from anger or in battle. Okay, 
So let's break this down according to our um, our historians that have tracked and traced what exactly occurred that Daniel was talking about. So hoping to gain advantage over Egypt, Antiochus the Great gave his daughter Cleopatra, isn't that crazy, in marriage to Ptolemy V in 195 BC, but Antiochus's daughter sided with her husband and no advantage was gained. Antiochus then lost a battle against the Roman forces. So now what's happening is you've had Babylon, it's now gone. You've had uh, the Medo-Persia, which became Persia, now gone. Uh, I mean, not gone like completely, but just they're not the superpower. You have Alexander the Great, who died at the height of his power in the city of Babylon, and his kingdom was divided into four. So we're at the transit. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> We're at the transition period where now it's going to go to Rome. Rome is going to be the superpower, okay? After his defeat, he had to surrender his entire elephant brigade, all his navy, and 20 selected hostages. Finally, he was obliged to pay an indemnity of 15,000 or 20,000 talents over a period of several years. Antiochus' second son, who was named after him, was among the 20 hostages taken to Rome, where he spent the formative years of his life. He later became the dreaded persecutor of the Jews, Antiochus Epiphanes. That name is very important. Being unable to make his indemnity payments, Antiochus the Great was killed while trying to pillage a temple in Elmaeus, or Elemus. The brief 12-year reign of Antiochus III's eldest son, Seleucus IV, was marked by heavy taxes throughout Palestine. Seleucus was soon poisoned to death by his uh, minister. So here enters Antiochus Epiphanes, raised in Rome as a hostage. And he is a very significant, um, um, what's the word, picture, prophetic uh, type and shadow of the Antichrist that will come at the end of the age. He committed the first abomination of desolation that Jesus referred to as happening and saying, when you see that again, you need to leave, get out of the city because things are about to get crazy. Uh, and so this is why it's so important to know history. I think it was, um, was it, it wasn't Paul Revere, um, Patrick Henry, he said, I have no way to know the future except to know the past by the light of the past. And so Antiochus Epiphanes is now on the scene and he commits the first abomination of desolation. And that way, when Jesus used that reference, the Jews would have immediately known what he was talking about. Uh, it was horrible what he did. Okay, so let's, because um, I'll, I'll get into that. Uh, but let's get to verse 21. And it says, The next to come to power will be a despicable man who is not in line for the royal session. He will slip in when least ex expected and take the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. Before him, great armies will be swept away, including a covenant prince. With deceitful promises, he will make various alliances. He'll become strong despite having only a handful of followers. Without... Uh, warning, he will enter the richest areas of the land. Then he will distribute among his followers the plunder and wealth of the rich, something his predecessors had never done. 
He will plot the overthrow of strongholds, but this will only last for a short while. Now, that's very reminiscent of the future Antichrist and what he will do. And reminiscent is probably not the, the best word because obviously, you know, reminiscent is backwards. But it's a, a definite prophetic shadow of what the future Antichrist will do. And in verse 25, he will stir up his courage and raise a great army against the king of the south. The king of the south will go to battle with a mighty army, but to no avail, for there will be plots against him. His own household will cause his downfall. His army will be swept away, and many will be killed. Seeking nothing but each other's harm, these kings will plot against each other at the conference table, attempting to deceive each other. But it will make no difference, for the end will come at the appointed time. The king of the north will then return home with great riches on the way. He will set himself up against the people of the Holy Covenant, doing much damage before continuing his journey. Okay, so this is Antiochus Epiphany. So that's what we're reading about. So again, he, he does all of these things. He's a prophetic shadow of the Antichrist. And so on his way back to his own country, for some reason, he gets it in his head. I'm going to go after Israel. Okay, and... um. I mean, it's, it can only be demonic. Then, at the appointed time, he will once again invade the south, but this time the result will be different. For warships from western coastlands will scare him off, and he will withdraw and return home. But he will vent his anger against the people of the Holy Covenant and reward those who forsake the covenant. His army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, that's an important phrase, put a stop to the daily sacrifices and set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. He will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. Wise leaders will give instruction to many, but these teachers will die by fire and sword or they will be jailed and robbed. During these persecutions, little help will arrive and many will join them that join them will not be sincere, and some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end for the appointed time is still to come. Okay, so I know that was a lot. So let me get into and break this down. But it, it, it gives us such a great picture of what's coming in the future when the um, final Antichrist takes over. Okay, so these verses document the tyrannical oppression of the Jewish, Jewish people by Antiochus Epiphanes who by force tried, excuse me, to make the Jewish people forgo their religion in favor of all things Greek. This was also the time of the Maccabees, who resisted the, this Hellenistic influence. Quote, in Antiochus Epiphanes, they saw the worst tyrant of history. Antiochus borrowed the surname Epiphanes, manifest, to indicate that he was a manifestation of the deity. Okay, so what does the Antichrist do at the end of the age? He goes in, into the temple and he declares himself as God. So we see the same thing occurring with Antiochus Epiphanes. Hitler also thought he was a god, a god of war. So it, it, it's a, a very common Antichrist thing that uh, these leaders do. Uh, strongly reinforcing the tradition of the Seleucids, he required men to worship him as Olympian Zeus. 
Antiochus visually slaughtered Jews who continued to obey biblical instructions and he desecrated the temple. So what he did is he took down or he went into the temple and he put up an altar to Zeus and he also slaughtered a pig in the most holy place because the ark disappeared when the Jews were taken into exile to Nebuchadnezzar. There's stories, legends that uh, Jeremiah and some of his colleagues got the ark out and it actually ended up in Ethiopia because there's rumors that Solomon slept with um, the Queen of Sheba, who I believe was from Ethiopia, or he slept with someone that was from Ethiopia, that was one of his wives. And so there's like a bloodline there. I don't know if all that's true, but people believe that the ark is there. Um, so when, when Antiochus Epiphanes went to the most holy place, there was just the slab on which the ark would have sat. So in there, he slaughtered a pig. He set up an, uh, an idolatrous altar to Zeus. He demanded that all sacrifices, of course, end. And that is the abomination of desolation. Okay. So the Maccabees rose up and resisted him. Uh, and he, he slaughtered a lot of people, but they won. They, they got him out. But this is the, the epoch pivot where now Rome is on the scene. Rome is the superpower and they take over Palestine. Okay. And then it paved the way for the Lord's first coming. So the warships from the Western coastlands is referring to, uh, Rome. Here's a historical account of th this event. And led to the Romans showing up on the shores, the general drawing a circle around Antiochus and informing him that if he didn't stop and go back to Syria, he would be destroyed. But if he withdrew, he would be allowed to live. He made the smart choice and took over Palestine. Uh, this is from Gaius Popolius Laenus, who twice served as one of the two consuls of the Roman Republic in 172 and 158 uh, B.C. He was sent an envoy to prevent a war between Antiochus Epiphanes of the Seleucid Empire and then Ptolemaic, Ptolemaic Egypt. On being confronted with the Roman demands that he abort his attack in Alexandria, Antiochus played for time. Popolius is supposed to have drawn the circle around the king in the sand with his cane, and he ordered him not to move out of it until a firm answer had been given. The Syrians withdrew, and according to Livy, after receiving the submission of the inhabit inhabitants of Memphis and the rest of the Egyptian people, some submitting voluntarily, others under threat, Antiochus marched by easy stages towards Alexandria. After crossing the river at uh, Eleusis, about four miles from Alexandria, he was met by the Roman commissioners, to whom he gave a friendly greeting and held out, held out his hand to Popolius. Popolius, however, placed in his hand the tablets on which was written the decree of the Senate and told him, first of all, to read it. After reading it through, he said he would call his friends into council and consider what he ought to do. Papaleus, stern and imperious as ever, drew a circle round the king with the stick he was carrying and said, Before you step out of that circle, give me a reply to lay before the Senate. For a few moments he hesitated, astounded at such uh, peremptory order, and at last replied, I will do what the Senate thinks right. Not till then did Papalius extend his hand to the king as a friend and ally. Antiochus evacuated Egypt at the appointed date. 
and the commissioners exerted their authority to establish a lasting concord between the brothers since they had yet hardly made peace with each other. So uh, Poly uh, Polybius, the Greek historian of the Hellenistic period, added more nuanced detail on his major work called The Histories, which covered the period from uh, 264 to 146 BC. At the time when Antiochus approached Ptolemy and meant to occupy Pelusium, Caius Populus, the Roman commander, on Antiochus greeting him from a distance and then holding out his hand, handed to the king as it had been to him the copy of the Sinatus Consultum and told him to read it first, not thinking it proper, as it seems to me, to make the conventional sign of friendship before he knew if the intentions of him who was greeting him were friendly or hostile. But when the king, after reading it, said he would like to communicate with his friends about this intelligence, Papalius acted in a manner which was thought to be offensive and exceedingly arrogant. He was carrying a stick from a vine, and with this he drew a circle around Antiochus and told him he must remain inside the circle until he gave his decision about the contents of the letter. The king was astonished at this authoritative proceeding, but after a few moments' hesitation said he would do all that the Romans demanded. Upon this, Papalius and his suite all grasped him by the hand and greeted him warmly. The letter ordered him to put an end at once to the war with Ptolemy. So, as a fixed number of days were allowed to him, he led his army back to Syria, deeply hurt and complaining indeed, but yielding to circumstances for the present. Papalius, after arranging matters in Alexandria and ex exhorting the two kings there to act in common, ordering them also to matters in Alexandria, uh, Oh, to send um, some dude at, uh, to Rome. Sailed for Cyprus, wishing to lose no time in expelling the Syrian troops that were on the island. When they arrived, finding that Ptolemy's generals had been defeated and that the affairs of Cyprus were generally in a tipsy-topsy, uh, topsy-turvy state, they soon made the Syrian army retire from the country and waited until the troops took ship for Syria. In this way, the Romans saved the kingdom of Ptolemy, which had almost been crushed out of existence. Fortune having so directed the matter of Perseus and Macedonia that when the position of Alexandria and the whole of Egypt was almost desperate, all was again set right owing to the fact that the fate of Perseus had been decided. For had this not been so, and had not Antiochus been certain of it, he would never, I think, have obeyed at, uh, the Roman behest. So that's what, um, where it says the ships from the... Um, uh, west coastlands that is Rome, and um, so I guess you know Antiochus was fussy because he just had his you know backside handed to him that he decided well let's just go ahead and let's just attack the Jews because I'm mad, and uh, so he set up the abomination uh, of desolation. The Maccabees drove drove him out, and then the um, uh, Hanukkah is a celebration of the defeat of uh, Antiochus by the Maccabeans. And so when the Lord at that festival stood and said, I am the light of the world. I mean, that's incredible, right? So he's, he's letting them know, you know, that I'm the light and um, don't believe another Antichrist. Don't believe that they're a Christ. Don't believe that they're a God. I am the light of the world. I'm the one that was released into the earth by the command light be and uh and also that empowered them to defeat antiochus epiphanes with the maccabeans so it's a it's an interesting thing so rome 
like I said, took over Palestine. So this is a fourth kingdom that Daniel saw, and it crushed everything in its path. It was scarier than all the other kingdoms. And then also note, as we've learned in the past, that it's from this kingdom, the Roman kingdom, that the future kingdom will emerge in that last week and uh, the final abomination of desolation will occur by that final Antichrist. Okay, so then we have, um, let's see, we're at verse 30, um, 36. So the king will do as he pleases, exalting and claiming uh, to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. Uh, for what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors or for the God loved by women or for any other God, for he will boast that he is greater than them all. Instead of these, he will worship the God of fortresses, a God his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. Claiming this foreign God's help, he will attack the strongest fortresses. He will honor those who submit to him, appoint them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as uh, a reward. Now, I believe, now, I, I this could most definitely apply to some of the actions of Antiochus Epiphanes, but I believe now we're moving into the future Antichrist. Um, because Antiochus Epiphanes said that Olympus, uh, or Zeus, was the god, and he was the deity incarnate, Zeus incarnate, right? Um and Zeus, I mean, he might be the god of the fortresses, but, you know, what was interesting with Hitler thinking he was the god of war, um, I did a study a long time ago, and that's actually the, uh, the god of fortresses. So uh, Hitler um, partially fulfilled this word, um, which is interesting. But I do, I believe that this is actually starting to really get into the future Antichrist, but again, it might also apply um, to Antiochus. But where it says, um, until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come, it just shows us that picture, that there's more coming. Um, there, the uh, future Antichrist, just like those in the past, will be given a time to do as they please, which we've studied that. He will exalt, him, exalt himself and be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. Um... And that, uh, for reference, is Daniel 8, uh, 8 through 14, where even the angels are like, how long is this going to be allowed to occur? And so heaven was restraining the angelic forces from um, stopping uh, that leader. So very, very interesting. And that was referring to Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, he did the abomination of desolation. We'll see that again. Uh, no respect for the gods of his ancestors, the god of women, which was possibly the goddess Tammuz. Or any God for that matter. Uh, that goes with Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He will worship the God uh, of fortresses. A God his ancestors never knew. Um, so he'll, he'll love war. The, the final Antichrist in particular will thrive with war. That will be one of his favorite things uh, to do. And by the way. Um, man, I wish I could get these notes to you guys. There is. Um, there's a painting that was painted before Hitler came into power and it was called the God of War. And I'm trying to remember the German name. Is it Antoine? I, no, it doesn't sound right. Um, anyway, Wotan, it might be Wotan, but it was, it was the God of War and it had this man on a horse 
and behind them is death and destruction, skulls, red, blood, all that stuff. The guy on the horse, guys, looked just like Hitler. I've seen the painting. Um, maybe I can try to get it on Destination Church Facebook page. But anyway, when Hitler later saw that painting, he decided that he was that god of war. So, narcissism to the 10th degree. Um, all right, let's finish up this chapter. Then, at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots and charioteers and a vast navy. And he'll invade various names and sweep through them like a flood. He will enter the glorious land of Israel. Many nations will fall. Moab, Edom, and the best part of Ammon will escape. He will conquer many countries and even Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, silver, and treasures of Egypt. And the Libyans and Ethiopians will be his servants. But the news from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will sit out in great anger to destroy and obliterate many. Um, he will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and will pitch his royal tents. But when he is there, his time will suddenly run out, and no one will be there to help him. Um, so it does appear that at some point Antiochus Epiphanes did have some more stuff that he did. Um, he did die uh, suddenly, by the way. Um, I don't remember, it wasn't by battle, but there was a prophecy, I believe in Daniel 8, that he would die by God's hand. Um, so there was, something struck him down, but it wasn't um, like an enemy killing him. So uh, every, every word to a T has been fulfilled that Daniel saw uh, so far. And of course, we have the future that um, is coming. So it's just very neat. Um, if you guys didn't get a chance to watch, uh, Monday's urgent education on the truth behind slavery, I would highly recommend it. I think it's one of the best ones I've done so far. It goes into a lot of the myth and the, you know, the different things, um, the lies basically that people want us to believe, uh, from the people that actually were there. I mean, that, you know, is an important point. Um, it's real easy to just make up stuff, but if you actually lived there and you wrote about it, then. You know, maybe you have a little bit of authority on the topic. I don't know what I'm going to talk about as far as urgent education tomorrow. Um, I've been learning some really good stuff on the um, Commerce Clause and the well General Welfare Clause, which is the secret to our federal government taking over everything, uh, including wanting to take away our gas stoves. And we might dive into that. I don't know. I might want something a little bit more juicy. But anyway, I hope this helps you guys. I know it was a lot of scripture. I know it was a lot of history. But again... We need to know our history. We need to know this stuff because it points to the future and it shows us what is coming. I don't know if anyone can ever be genuinely prepared for the end of the age um, because it's been a time that no one has ever seen before. But I think that we can definitely study things and then it'll give us what we need to recognize when things are happening. So uh, anyway, I uh, hope you guys have a good night. I am going to start my staycation. So um, I will hopefully see you guys tomorrow with a, another urgent education. And have a good night. Have a good rest. And I will hopefully see you tomorrow.